All right, welcome everyone. We do not have the time for me to do a normal starting 11 today as we have another fantastic episode. We've got interviews with Andrew Tarbell and Nick Lima coming up, and I'd rather give them the time than just hearing me opine about a diff- couple of different topics. But there's a few things I did wanted to touch on today. And the first one is MLS to Miami. And first off, I am supportive of the idea because it's David Beckham, because I think it's one of those cities where even though they aren't quote-unquote sports cities, if you have your footprint in there, if you have that as a market, as part of your league repertoire, that is benefit everyone. But I do think that it is very curious that Major League Soccer is going back into two cities where they've had failed ventures. The Miami Fusion, they only lasted for a couple years. They were part of the two teams that were shuttered in Florida as part of the contraction in Major League Soccer uh, You know, after 2001 when the league was losing money, when they had to make hard decisions, and they looked at those markets. Even though Miami was coming off a very good year, they said, you know what, this team is not generating the revenues that other teams are making, and it's not in the best view of the league right now. It's not part of our long-term picture. That one was understandable, and I don't have a problem with it because Major League Soccer seemingly has made the right decisions up to this point. And you look in L.A., Chivas USA, I think there was the thought that a Chivas franchise was just going to start in L.A. and would have the same success as the traditional Chivas franchise um, from Mexico, and people would just lose their minds and go nuts about it. It didn't happen that way. They didn't have the star power. It didn't have the cultural footprint. There were already enough people that were going to be fans of Chivas that were going to say, why am I going to like this new team in Major League Soccer? I don't identify it with with it the same way. And so Major League Soccer now is looking at these same markets in Miami, in L.A., where the Galaxy are already quite successful, and saying, you know what? We can do it right this time. And it's a bold move, I will admit. It's a very bold move to come in and say we failed before recently. I mean, listen, I broadcast the last Chivas game ever back in 2014. It was the season finale for the Quakes that year. That was just a couple of years ago. Now, you can make the argument that the soccer market in Miami is very, very different now than it was back in 2001 in the year, you know, 1997 to 2001, that stretch when they were part of the league. And I'll buy that. But the L.A. one is very, very interesting to me as well because you had two franchises there. But now, just a couple of years later, you're going back in and saying, all right, we're going to try it again here, but this time we're not just going to come in as an established brand. We're going to come in as a new brand. We're going to come in with the Beebs. We're going to come in with Will Ferrell. We're going to come in with other big-name stars backing this and presenting the idea that a second franchise in L.A. can work. I hope it does. And I think that the way the LAFC has gone about constructing their roster, bringing in some big stars, that's all a part of it. But I also think this speaks to the fact that how much things have changed, not just from 2001 to now when referencing Miami, but even from 2013, 2012, 2014 till now, the change of the United States soccer culture in just a matter of a few seasons has radically changed. I thought things were massively different from 2012 to 2015. And now you're looking at things from 2012 to 2018. It is a radically different landscape and the appetite for soccer is is fascinatingly different and growing at a, at a rapid pace. I know people said, well, you're combining Liga MX and you're combining the EPL and you're combining MLS as to why soccer has moved into third place or excuse me, fourth place in terms of our viewing habits in the United United States surpassing hockey and people say oh well what about the fact that major league soccer is third on that list to which my response is the league is 20 years old 
you cannot fight with the established fandom of people who have been watching Chelsea or Arsenal their entire lives up to this point or that they've been watching Liga MX games for their entire life up to this point. People who come from different cultures, as we are a nation of immigrants, you're going to watch the team that you grew up watching. But right now, there are generations of fans who are born into soccer households who grew up watching Liga MX, who grew up watching the EPL. But now there's a greater chance that there's an MLS franchise close to them where they're growing up, and they're going to be fans of that as well. And now you're entering that prime age where these fans brought up in soccer households have these MLS franchises to glom onto. And that's a big part of this. But I think overall, Miami, different ownership. I mean, you've already got Messi making little quips about potentially getting a call from David Beckham in a few years. LAFC has been generating buzz. It's two markets where ventures have failed in the past, but I think you look at professional sports in North America, you look at professional sports worldwide, certain towns can handle this if it's done right. L.A. is one of those towns. Miami is one of those towns. I am excited to see what happens next. Now, both of these uh, towns go in conjunction with the idea that Major League Soccer is no longer a retirement league. I mean, you can look at the numbers of players signing with the league this past offseason, and they're way down. We're we're not talking about 30-plus-year-olds. We're talking about guys uh, in their young, young 20s. But Zlatan Ibrahimovic is potentially signing with the L.A. Galaxy. And you've got guys like a Messi quipping about coming to play for David Beckham in a few years. On the one hand, you always want stars. You always want the biggest names coming and playing in your leagues. But it is interesting that these guys still want to come into Major League Soccer and that it still has the market for it. I know that everyone got angry for a while that people were saying, oh, Major League Soccer is a retirement market for these big stars. And listen, if you can get stars in, if you can sell jerseys, if you can create a buzz, I am all for it. Obviously, look what happened with David Beckham and now Miami, that franchise. I think that was a good move. It was in the minds of some contrived and calculated by Major League Soccer. But if you look at what has happened to the league since Beckham came in, it's been a good thing. But if Ibrahimovic, one of the greatest of all time, if he can play after this knee injury, even though he's 36 years old, how is that a bad thing? If Messi can still play and wants to come and be a part of the scene in Miami, how is that a bad thing? It might not fit into the overall narrative of the youth uh you know, movement that's happening in Major League Soccer, but there's never a bad time to have the best players in the world, the biggest stars in the world playing in your league. It's not the norm anymore. We're trending younger and younger, but it is to me very, very interesting to watch the fact that these stars are interested in the league. They still have a, a, star power attraction to share with the league and we can take advantage of that and I say we because listen everyone who is invested in MLS franchises as a fan as a season ticket holder as just an emotional attachment you want to see other teams going after these big stars and everything well why that doesn't help my team a rising tide lifts all ships and that's what's happening in major league soccer right now that's why Nashville and the things they're doing is going to help Major League Soccer. That's why what has happened in Atlanta is helping Major League Soccer. That's why happen, what happens in Seattle is helping Major League Soccer. All these factors that are going on, the growth, the youth, the fact that established stars still want to come here, the fact that new fans are getting involved in markets where there may have already been fans. I mean, I'm sure there are people who have lived in L.A. and have never, never glommed on to the Galaxy now they're suddenly seeing all this buzz about LAFC and they're going to attach to that. How is that a bad thing? Now, I may not like the idea of, hey, we're from LA. Look at us. We're actually in LA. 
I'm sorry, you exist because the Galaxy had the massive success they did, but if they draw new fans, if they bring new voices, if they bring in revenue, this is a good thing time and time again. Major League Soccer is trying to rectify the mistakes of its past. It's a bold move going back into L.A. with a second team and going back into a Miami with a team again. But everything tells us lately the Major League Soccer is making the right decisions. I'm excited to see where we go from here. Where we go from here, Andrew Tarbell, goalkeeper for the San Jose Earthquakes, joins us here on the Soccer Hour next. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Soccer Hour here on KMBR 1050. I am joined by goalkeeper for the San Jose Earthquakes, the one and only Andrew Tarbell, the newly married Andrew Tarbell. Congratulations, yeah, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So it, you did it uh, down in Louisiana, is that correct? Yeah, we're uh, my wife and I are both from New Orleans, so we did it downtown New Orleans, had a lot of family, a lot of friends, great time. So I have to assume that you're also a uh, Saints fan then, is that is that correct? Oh, yeah, Saints fan. So you uh, were crushed by that loss to the Yeah, Vikings. I was actually in the airport. Uh, watching and uh, you know we we're pretty happy when they scored the touchdown and then devastated when uh, obviously that last play was tough for us. Yeah, that was that was not fun, man. I, I'm a big Drew Brees fan and I, I was talking mess to buddies and you know then you see something snatched away like that. And it, but it made me kind of think, you know, the, you were on the opposite end of that when it was a two-two draw against Minnesota. You know, you're we in the 93rd minute final game of the year and then you see Marco Orania break through with a goal you've been in that not quite walk-off because there's yeah. you know there's no golden goal in MLS anymore but I mean what was it like being on that end of it of like hey he just scored that you know how much time is left there's it's yeah. just winding down the clock now well it's a little different when you're in it I mean it's kind of crazy because I mean for some reason in that game I just knew we were we were gonna win and so like I, I don't think anyone panicked <laughs> I mean, you can just like watch everyone, you know, even when it's tied to two, like there was no, there was no panic. Cause we just yeah. knew, there's knew something was going to go our way. And so when we scored, it's like, okay, great. This is how it should be. Um, and then looking <laughs> back and you realize like how much time was left, like, you know, like Quincy shot Wando's like unbelievable pass. Yeah. Um, you're like, wow, that was, <laughs> that was special. So it's not till after you realize, like, man, that was crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, it was it was totally wild. And that was that was one of those moments that I, I don't think anybody who's an Earthquakes fan and even Major League Soccer fans, everybody talked about that, that that was, the, you know, the definitive moment for this year's decision day. Um, it's it, is, it was a moment. I mean, that's going to be one of those things that goes down in Earthquakes lore. Um, and, and I'm curious for you just to try and compare it with some of the you know moments you had in taking over as a starting goalkeeper this past year standing on your head in the open cup semi not being able to walk away from a win with that one let's let's talk about that one i don't know if you will agree but i think a lot of people would say if they did a short list of the best games of your career they would probably put that one or the one in vancouver the second last week of the season at the top of your list but vancouver you're able to come out with a point open cup you lose was it frustrating to be that good on that day and lose yeah I mean I'll be honest it's it was you don't you don't realize what's happening um when you're in the game like you don't realize oh I'm having a great game you know <laughs> you're you're worried about you know the scoreboard really yeah and, and honestly like I I missed a penalty save in that that would have put us through and that's all I can think about from that game people talk about it all the time oh you know you had such a great game whatever and I look back and I'm like, man, uh, it was one to my left. I forgot who shot it, but it was a uh, um, I, one I thought I should have had that would have put us through. And so I think about that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, that, but that was a crazy game. I, I mean, I've, got, I've gone back and watched it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd put it up there just because of the number of saves I had. 
Um, but I mean, it would have been way better, obviously, if we were <laughs> able to pull it out. And then that Vancouver game where you guys pull with the draw, uh, the late goal from Vaco pulls you guys into sixth place heading into that final game against Minnesota. Going back, did, did you realize some of the saves you made until you saw the highlights? I mean, has uh, that happened or you've been like, hi, not bad? Yeah, I mean, like I said, like, you know, you, you really don't realize what, you know, what's going on when you're in it because you're just focused on the game. And yeah. I knew we had to get a result from that game. So I guess a couple of those saves came in the second half. Um, so I was just focused on the team. Like we were pushed up so high, the back line was pushed up so high, and we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. And all I can think was like, man, we got to get a goal, we got to get a goal. And then you know they got a couple breaks, and we were able to to stop them. You know the defense coming back, and I guess made a couple saves. Um, and it was just like relief, like okay, we're gonna have another chance to go and score. Um, and eventually <laughs> we did. So what what is it like from your perspective playing against a counterattacking team like Vancouver, who just suddenly turns that ball the other direction and all? You know, all of a sudden you're facing a four-on-three where they've got numbers and they're charging fast. Uh, I mean, how quickly are they upon you? Uh, it comes quick. I mean, guys in this league are fast. Uh, they can cover a lot of ground. Um, so any, you know, good through ball or, or something off the break uh, is tough. I mean, because guys are coming quick and they're coming in, coming in three and fours. Um, so, you know, you just hope your your, your defense can, can read that. Mm -hmm. And I got to be in a good position high to maybe cut something out. Um, so you're just trying to think about your, your positioning really and be ready to cover a lot of ground and, you know, come make a clearance or yeah. something like that. Um, it's interesting watching you as a, as a goalkeeper compared to so many others that I've seen. One, you're not shy about squaring up your shoulders in the air. Uh, is that intentional or is that just the way you go up? No, I mean, I just, I just, you know, I, uh, I, I like playing basketball, and I just, I just think about it like going up for a rebound. There's always going to be contact, and you just got to be ready and mm -hmm. stiff shoulders, but soft hands, and try and come down with it. But I mean, you're aware of the fact that guys seem to shy away from the big hit with you in the air, or is that something that just, you know, hey, I'm that's my ball. Well, if you, you know, if you come out with confidence and you're loud, and you, you know, you come through <laughs> with them some some speed, and you make a couple catches, and you know, the next time they hear your call, they might say, oh, you know, they, they'll give up on the play versus, you know, trying to challenge because they know you're going to get it at, you know, a different height than they will. So in terms of being a reactionary shot stopper, that's another thing that people talk about your game a lot is that just you make those reactions. Is it subconscious or are you thinking about their shot before they take it and what they've done previously? Or is it no, something that, that just happens? Yeah, that stuff that just happens. I mean, it's just muscle memory. I mean, we take hundreds and hundreds of shots and you know throughout the week to get ready and at that point when it's close you're just trying to be in a good athletic spot and and be calm and loose at the same time and you're just going to react like muscle memory yeah i'm sure there's times as a keeper uh, where you're caught out of position what what goes through your head at that point is it try and dive and do anything i, I mean because it, it happens to every keeper right. and that's what's unfair about being a, a goalie in 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 soccer or in hockey um, it's kind of like being a pitcher in baseball. It's very lonely. It's easy to point the blame right. at that one person, but there's right. any number of factors that could have led up to that. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's like certain techniques for everything and certain way of, you know, you try and you try and do things, dive, make saves, kick, all that kind of stuff. But when, uh, you know, when, when things go not perfectly in a game, right, a bunch of different things can happen. Sometimes you just have to, you know, you can't think about that technique or whatever. You just mm -hmm. got to react and just, you know, do your best and sometimes it's not always the prettiest and um you know that's what you work towards you know in practice and what you get game experiences those things can become cleaner you know in those pressure moments or in those kind of 
wild, crazy, you know, moments, ball bouncing yeah. on the box or you're out of position. Um, so, yeah, you just you just try and make a play sometimes. And everything else goes out the window. We're talking to Andrew Tarbell right now, goalkeeper for the San Jose Earthquakes, joining me here on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050. Um, some of those games last year, like we said, goalie, lonely position. You know, you give up multiple goals in a game. Did you view it as a baptism by fire since you were taking over the role as the starting goalkeeper in the final third of the season? Yeah. Did you just try and shrug it off? Because I mean, that's what is so unfair because people could say, oh, he gave up, you know, such and such goals in this game. And it's like, well, but – if you break it down, there was nothing he could do or he was pulled off position or he'd already made one save, which led to a rebound. Do yeah. you just kind of forget it all or do you look at certain things and say, that's something I need to improve on? That's yeah. something I need to be well, better at? I mean, without a doubt, um, you know, I had my handful of mistakes last year that, that, you know, led directly to goals. So you just try and learn from it. You know, you, there's nothing else you can do, right? You mm -hmm. can't, there, there's no reason to, to pout about it or <laughs> be down on yourself, right? Like you're out there, yeah. you know, being judged, you know, playing, you know, trying to produce for your team and there's, there's no shine away, you know, there, there's no hiding. And, um, you know, there's nothing you can do besides just keep working to try and try and get better and be ready for the next opportunity that comes. Um, so yeah, you know, you just, you just take them on the chin, you, you go back, you watch it, you try and learn from it. You go practice again and, and get ready for the next opportunity that you have. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just the only way you can view it is learning take it on the chin and do better next time was there any one scenario that you identified that you gave up a goal or later in the year you found a similar scenario and stopped it yeah i mean for example like uh it was um toronto i the first goal we gave up away at toronto i i came out you know for a cross and, and misjudged it. it was an easy one there's nobody around me um i felt like there was pressure coming but there really wasn't and um just misjudged it and i was it was too high it just came off the top top of my hand and uh fell behind me and fell right to the foot of you know one of their players and I mean it was something that was you know easy I should have taken my time <laughs> and you know caught it at a, a better height than what I was trying to do um you know and I I look back at coming to collect crosses and games after that and I realized I could just be a little bit calmer and smoother and didn't have to quite you know try and out jump you know everybody <laughs> out there just uh just be smooth and yeah, I mean, it got better after that. So, you know, that's what it takes. You try not to make the same same mistakes more than one time. You know, you try and learn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think, that's, I think that's what I did. It's interesting because you coming in for the, you know, as a keeper of um, the San Jose Earthquakes, there have been some, you know, very big names uh, at the position here with this franchise. Have you gotten a chance to talk to any of the former guys? I mean, obviously Joe Cannon's around and he's mm -hmm. a name that people associate with. Or do you just try and, you know, focus on your own game and your own, you know, kind of identity? Yeah, I mean, so like I, I know John Bush. I've talked to him. Uh, mm -hmm. I trained with him a couple of years ago, and then Joe Cannon's been around working here and working with the academy and all that. So I've got to talk to him a few times. And then obviously David's had a great career here as well. Um, so knowing all three of those guys, and then you you throw me in there and look at you know how we all play, and we're all pretty different. Um, so yeah, you, you try and you learn and and uh, you know from each guy, but but you have your own identity and style of playing too. Yeah. So you can't try and emulate, or you can't try and oh, I need to do this because he did this. Um, you know, you just you got to be your own person, but still, you know, respect what guys have done and, and try and learn what you can from what other guys have done. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, in in terms of watching the aggressive factors of certain keepers or the way they go to the air or the way they kind of 
um, you know, to handle certain situations. I guess it's not like music where you're going to say you're influenced by something, but I'm sure there's been instances where you've watched other guys and say, they just did something that I need to do. I need to learn how to implement in that to your game. Is it is it possible to do that, or is it just something that's going to come with time? Oh, I mean, that happens all the time. I mean, I watch every game, you know, in the league that goes on, and I watch every goalkeeper, and someone will make a play, and I'll be like, man, like, that was incredible. But no one, not many people might understand that what he just did there was incredible and how easy <laughs> he made it look was incredible. And I try and picture myself in that same situation and say, okay, what, what might I have done? And sometimes you say, oh, I, I would do that or I have done that and I can do that, no problem. Mm-hmm. And there's other situations where I'm like, man, he handled that better than, than I can handle that, <laughs> you know? And I try and, like, mark that down and think about it and say, okay, what do I need to do to get to that level? Yeah. It's, it's interesting, though, because athletes, you know, especially keeper where it's that position where it's judged so differently than all the others where people are going to put such a, a different onus on you. Did that make – Coming out of last season, were there certain things where you looked at and said, this is my goal to be better at next year? Or is it just a matter of being better at all different scenarios? I mean, it's a matter of just being better at all different scenarios. You know, I think um, my confidence level needs to get a little higher. I need to be more sure of myself and, you know, emulate that through the team and, um, you know, and have that presence. Um, and, you know, that that comes with time. That comes with playing. But, you know, mm-hmm. the time is now, right? There's uh, – <laughs> There's there's learning that's going to go on, but, you know, it's time to produce, and that's what the job's all about. And, you know, I'm not a first-year or second-year guy anymore, so it's, you know, it's it's time to go. Yeah, I mean, first year you got the second half in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Last year you got the final third of the season. This year you're the guy heading into the, to the start of the campaign. So, I mean, how different is it being in this seat versus the backup seat for the previous years? Well, I really don't try and look at it that way. You know, I, I, I don't try and say, oh, you know, I'm I'm the number one or whatever. Um, like anything can happen, right? We all go out there and every day you get judged in practice and you have to compete every day and nothing's ever a sure thing. So, I mean, that we got a good goalkeeping core here and, mm-hmm. you know, new coach and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm just focused on going out every day and, and getting ready, getting ready to play. Um, and just compete every day and, and look at it that way versus trying to, you know, speculate on what's to come in the season or anything like that. Just taking it day by day and competing, do my best, and, you know, whatever comes will come. Well, how did you do in the beep test today? We're not used to seeing you uh, goalkeepers run back and forth. I, I, we were more we were more paying attention to the fact that uh, Wando was keeping up there and finished up third in that. Yeah, Wando and Shea and I think Tommy were yeah. the last three. So, yeah, they did a great job. Um yeah, I think I think the three of us goalkeepers were middle of the pack, so we'll take that. We weren't the we weren't the first ones out, and you know we didn't make it all the way to the end. But uh, I think we were pretty happy as a group. Are Are you like every other uh, goalkeeper I've talked to who would be a forward if you weren't a uh, keeper? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, everyone <laughs> wants to score goals, so go from one extreme to the other. I like it. It's it's never like no, I'd be a you know a holding midfielder. It's no, I'd be forward. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> so tell me else about your your mindset heading into this year. Is you are going to be a third year veteran. You like I said, one half your rookie year, the final third of the season in your sophomore campaign. But now you're used to this. Even though there are some changes with the club, you are moving forward in your career. You're established now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's not all new to me anymore, right? So I've been to all the venues. I've, you know, I've played away games. I've played home games. I've I've seen a lot more, right? You learn a lot very quickly, mm-hmm. right? You know, being out there, being in the mix, being under the pressure, being judged, um, you know, it, it comes quick. And, and so just knowing kind of how things work, 
how the travel situation works, you know, what it's like to play in different venues, um, all that kind of stuff, knowing the teams, you know, a little bit better and the personnel better. Um, yeah, it just gives you a little bit more confidence, right. And a little bit more understanding and the nerves of those kind of things kind of go away and you're able to focus on, on, uh, on playing and, and, and doing your job. Um, so yeah, as far as that goes, you know, it's crazy what you learn over a couple of years. I would imagine so. Well, all right, Mr. Tarbell, I'll let you go because I know you got stuff to do. But thank you so much for your time and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you coming up with the uh, well, we got the scrimmage on Saturday, the inter-squad scrimmage, and then you guys go off to Tucson. So uh, you'll be you'll be keeping busy. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, full force now. Love it, man. That's Andrew Tarbell, everyone, goalkeeper for the San Jose Earthquakes and always keeping us uh, informed and entertained. Coming up next, fresh off his stint with the United States men's national team, we will be joined by Nick Lima. You're listening to the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fresh off his stint with the United States men's national team, we are now joined by the San Jose Earthquakes homegrown star in the making, the one and only Nick Lima. Nick, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, thanks for uh, having me on again. It's always good talking with you. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. And uh, a lot has happened since we last talked right before Thanksgiving um, let's just go to the most recent uh, event, and that is you, you know, getting the call up from the United States men's national team and uh, getting to go take part in the January camp. Uh, just take us back through your your headspace when you got that call or the email or however it came down that you found that you were going to be uh, a part of the camp. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I was first extremely excited, and I was. Uh kind of on vacation at the time and just kind of took in the rest of the vacation, you know, just to completely clear my mind and, and, and get ready for another go-around and, and this time around, it's, you know, for my, for the, for my national team. And it was a uh, something that I've always always dreamt about doing. And But at the same time, you know, it, it it's a higher level to step up and it just and it requires, you know, more preparation, more work, you know, uh, just more time put into it. And so I was... After I got got the got the news, I was just ready to get going, and then super anxious to get there. As the end of December and then January rolled on, and it was it was it was an amazing experience. Did did you have any inkling that they were going to be selecting you? I mean, I know your name had been talked by a lot of the experts out there, but you mentioned that you were on vacation. So, like, how how does that go down? I mean, did you think that you needed to be fit um, a little bit ahead of schedule, or how do, how does exactly does that work? Uh. No, well, I I had no idea whatsoever <laughs> that I was going to be in camp. Um, I got the email. <laughs> I was literally just at the at the beach house uh, with my family in Hawaii, and, and was scrolling through my phone, coming back from a uh, morning dive, and just kind of saw the email, and was like, like no freaking way, like what? And then I <laughs> I like triple read it, and then and then I kind of you know timidly told my brother. And was I, I think I got the call in, and I read it, and then I had I had to confirm with a few people. But yeah, it was uh, it was really unexpected to me. Um, so and obviously, you know, I was ecstatic for it, and just uh, but luckily, I before I left, um, you know, all through November, and and well, I guess from the end of the season to the end of November, I was training pretty hard. So I had only been, you know, not doing nothing but taking it easy, just getting a little vacation, you know, mental break for for about a week when I figured it out. So it was kind of 
it was good. It was it was, it was good timing and, and definitely uh, I was I was ready for it. <laughs> nice. And I'll just on a sidebar. Uh, how is the hamstring feeling? Is it uh, is it all good? Yeah. I mean I mean with uh, you know I tried to work an extra couple months after the end of the season. Um, you're always at injury risk, and that's kind of the one thing that you know. I've learned whether I get this one stronger than the other one, but I just <laughs> trying to take more preventative measures and, and you learn a routine from it. Just try to become healthy and hopefully, you know, keep other things healthy as well. And so it feels, it feels phenomenal. And I think, uh, you know, I'm just ready to get out there and get back on the field for uh, San Jose. It's been a while. There's a, there's a few things, Nick, that earthquakes fans, um, since your, your time with the United States men's national team that uh, have said to me on social media or in person, the first one is the fact that they were ecstatic that you did get the call up. The second one is they were not pleased that, that you did not play, which, uh, you know, I, I know you're not uh, going to uh, have any sour grapes, but everybody did want to see you in. The third one, though, is that the one that probably got commented on the most is everybody essentially had the sentiment that Nick Lima does not skip leg day. I, that was a, a common theme. I was like, dude, did you see Nick's legs out there jogging alongside everybody else? Dude's legs are like twice as big as ever. So, you know, we got, you don't you don't seem to be afraid of the squat rack. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually not on it much. A lot of it, I think, has to do with you know, mobility and, and body weight stuff, just the different dynamic work. And then, <laughs> you know, every now and then, you know, you do the heavy stuff. But, like, I know a lot of people give me some grief. Not, not grief, but give me a, give me a you know, a hard time about it. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty funny. I, I've heard that. But uh, that, that's funny that it's coming from you and people have mentioned it. <laughs> no, that's man. Funny. <laughs> I was cracking up at it. But, you know, this was uh, an interesting interesting camp for the United States men's national team and a lot of new faces of which you were one of those new faces. Um, I mean, not to dwell on the negative, but I'm imagining that you guys had to talk about the fact that, you know, the United States didn't qualify for the World Cup and that, you know, a lot of you guys, you know, represented the face of the future of what the United States was going to be doing. I mean, did you guys talk about that or was it just or was it just soccer? Um, in the beginning, there was, you know, there was a PowerPoint and it, we kind of went over with with the coach Dave Sarigan what what the goals were for the camp and, and why we were in there. And, and it was brought up that yes, this is the situation. This is where you're going to be asked by the media, media, yada yada. And from that, that was about the only time anyone really mentioned it because at the end of the day, you know, everyone realized that you're representing your country, and whether we're in the World Cup or not the effort, the desire to be there, what what you represent, how you need to do it on the field and the practice in the locker room, walking to the cars in the locker room at the hotel. It was all the same um, from the guys that have been there in camps and know what it's like in a World Cup qualifier um, or to or a Gold Cup or, or a January camp. They, uh, they said everything was as far as, you know, wanting to be there and, and thinking that, yeah, you have a chance with the national team was the same and just, I think, the group of guys was such a perfect fit for the situation because it was so many new faces and everyone didn't see it that way. Um, is the team not going to the World Cup? They saw it as an opportunity to make a name for themselves, and so their the energy, the uh, environment just was was, was phenomenal through, uh, throughout the whole camp. We've got Nick Lima right here on the Soccer Hour KMBR 1050. Before we move on to uh, more earthquakes-related topics, I'll just ask you what what was your biggest takeaway from your experience with the January camp? Um, man, there's there's so many. Uh, 
I just think it's biggest. I mean, I've always, I've always dreamt of being there and seeing guys that have been there um, for a while and kind of, you know, what they do on the field to stay there and just kind of what I need to do now from, you know, being so close to going into the game, to being in the game, to starting, um, to staying as a mainstay for the team for World Cup, World Cup qualifiers, you know, tournament. Um, you know, the kind of the things that I need to do to make sure that that's some possibility in the next step in, in the process. And so just learning from guys, you know, talking to them. And, and, and at the end of the day, being in an environment that's, you know, at one of the highest levels you want to reach, um, how much fun it could be yeah. with, with the kind of the group of guys and bring that back to the locker room and just create that positive environment because it, it, it really – really goes a long way i think and in, in anything when you when you go to work every day and in that environment is as good as it was because it was it was one of the most fun times i've had in, in a three-week stay with with anything so that was that was really really important great stuff here with nick lima again joining us on the soccer hour on kmbr 1050 um flashing back to my earlier sentiment that you and i had talked right i think before thanksgiving from that time till now, the state of the earthquakes in terms of players and acquisitions and guys coming in, I mean, there's – I would imagine that when you arrived to Tucson, you were like, oh, man, I got to introduce myself to a lot of people like a, a Magnus Eriksson or a Joel Quiberg or a JT Marcinkowski or, or actually since the, the East Bay Connection. Had you run into JT before? Yeah, so JT – um, right after he signed, I actually went out with him and we, we got a little work in together um, out in Danville um, at one of the Mustang fields. So nice. I, I've known him for a little while and uh, I was super excited to see him sign a homegrown contract. And uh, yeah, I knew him previously. I've actually played soccer with his older brother as well growing up. So funny enough. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing, man. Like there was Tommy and then there was you, and then now there's JT, and there's Jacob, and there's Gilbert. Suddenly, the the homegrown base of the Quakes has gone from two to five in the matter of a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I know that was that was pretty uh, <laughs> a quick growth in, in that category. No, it was pretty cool for sure. And I just you know wonder from your perspective, you you see a couple of guys who are 15 and barely 16 out there. Does it remind you when you were what like 16 years old when you got the opportunity to train with the first team? Yeah, but they, they signed a first team team contract, so they're doing something better than I was. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> But yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's good to see him out there, and you know, with, with, um, we've only had one training with them. But you know, I'll be interested to see you know how they fit in, and I'm sure they will. They're here for a reason, so it'll it'll be good to get out there and, and be with them for for a little bit of time. Going yeah. Forward. Most definitely. And one of the things, and, you know, obviously you're just getting to know these guys, but I had the opportunity to, you know, talk with JT at length a couple of times and Magnus and Joel. Um, and it just seems like a lot of the guys that have come in, not that there's ever been um, anything but good guys on the Earthquakes as long as I've been around the franchise, but it just seems like all the dudes who have come in have been like really high character, easygoing, talkative, friendly types. Was that the impression that you got today out in Tucson? Oh, I, don't, I didn't get it today. I got it last night when I arrived and just we had a quick team meal for for 45 minutes with the guys yeah, I think it's it's I think you, you hit it right on it is exactly that which is which is awesome and great to be around it like you said like with the national team camp it's, it's it's really something that you know people don't see behind the scenes of, of a sport and having the players you know click on, the, on that level or in the locker room and just being around it every day but yeah I'm I'm hoping it stays that way but it's definitely uh a, uh, a good thing. I'm, I'm really excited about it because yeah, every, everyone that has come in is a, 
is definitely a really, really, really good guy. I know you missed the uh, obviously the the scrimmage that was uh, over the weekend at Avaya Stadium, which was, was surprisingly intense, which made it really fun to watch. But I'm just curious, what was your uh, impression of the team vibe out there at training today? It was good. I think everyone uh, was excited. They came off an intense training yesterday, um, and we know we have a game tomorrow and here down here in Tucson, and so there's there's some excitement to get kind of you know first feel of of a game day or a game situation under the belt. So. It was, there's a lot of excitement in that first game in Tucson. I think doing with that dry weather, and you got guys talking about the dry heat. You know, the the Europeans that have come over and you're like, oh, you, this is dry heat. Wait, wait till we go to Houston and you experience humidity. And <laughs> <laughs> give some guys some hard time for. Uh, already talking about that oh dude they will learn in a uh, in a hard way uh for sure what that's yeah. all about um uh, and then obviously the uh, the new coach michael starray um had you had a chance to meet him before you went off to the uh, to the national camp or was uh, was this your first time uh, meeting him yeah so i had a chance to just briefly meet him uh for just a few minutes talk with him a little back and forth uh before i left but really had the first real lengthy conversation with him today and, and uh, last night, so it was, it was good, and I really like him so far. Good energy, um, a good guy, and just seems to have the respect of all the players already, and, and that's that's really important. What was really cool to me was when we talked to him last week. Um, he was just kind of saying that you know four two three one four three three four four two. He kind of just said whatever you know the tactics may be he says we're going to adapt them to the players and from my standpoint being you know somebody who obviously did not have a long athletic career but can think back to the high school days and you know just my experience watching sports those to me are the coaches that do have that great success because instead of forcing their system on a group of players it seems like he was very open to see like hey let's look at the talent that we have here in san jose and then we can fit something around that did did you get that impression yeah i, th- I think he uh you know he is different different than most and yeah he wants to he wants to you know play the players in the way that they they want to play and, and that's their best act so i think his biggest thing is is bringing the best out of players and, and his philosophy you know kind of demands that and so it's it's good and I'm I'm really excited to uh to get working with him and learn even more. But yeah, like you said, I'm that's kinda of what I got and it's 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 very promising. Yeah, most definitely. And you know, I, again we're talking to Nick Lima right now here on the soccer hour, KMBR ten fifty you missed essentially the last third of the season last year with that hamstring injury. And I remember talking to you before the playoff game in Vancouver. And I know you said you were close, but, you know, not quite ready to get back out there. And then you were rehabbing in the offseason and getting back ready. You get this time with the, the national team at the January camp. And now you find yourself at the end of January. Uh, the calendar is about to turn to Tucson. You've got, of course, the uh, the game coming up tomorrow. You know, are you are you just itching to get back out there for the earthquakes? Being as how your your rookie season started so very well, and even missing that last third of the season, you still placed fourth in the rookie of the year voting. I, I to me, I would have to assume that you're kind of uh, just you know chomping at the bit to get back out there. I mean, I think my favorite favorite days of the year are game day, um, <laughs> and sitting there in the off season, there's you know there's they're so far away. It's it's kind of a grind to, to get through it, and and yeah, I'm just. It, at the end of camp too, I was just waiting. Like, man, I want to get back to San Jose. I want to, I want to get that much closer to to March when we play Minnesota. And it just, yeah, I've been. I think since the day I got hurt and realized that, you know, uh, maybe my season, you know, 
isn't is going to get cut short or whatnot. I just I wanted to get back on the field, and, and it wasn't last year. And okay, that that's that. I got to take care of myself. But now it's March third, and, and I'm just oh, I'm buzzing for it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm ready for it. <laughs> Love it, man. Uh, it's it's exciting. I mean, I think that's how everybody is. And there were two thousand out there for the scrimmage, um, at the you know the black and blue scrimmage over the weekend at Avaya. And you know, I I know you're pretty active on social media. Do you, do you feel more of a buzz around this team than you did last year? I mean, I know obviously you only have the the one year of comparison, but it seems to me the way that national pun are responding from what I see on social media the different soccer forums I go to it does seem like there is a more distinct um, excitement about the earthquakes this year have you picked up on that um I want to say on, on the social media um part of it um with all the buzz I'm not huge on it um at least on following or, or reading up the social media things surrounding a team just never or or myself kind of just you know try to stay away from that <laughs> but uh it's uh, I think just being in the locker room and being you know around the fans and talking to guys, talking a little about the scrimmage and the coaching staff, and even before when I was in in the facility training before I left the camp, talking in the front office and and everyone that there 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 is it, it, it's it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but it's it kind of it, it it's there's something there, and I think you know you kind of you kind of tapping your toe and. and and you know, a little, little anxious, ready for it, and to get going. Because I, I think you know this is a club with a lot of history, and and there was goals set last year, and I think you know, and they need to be higher. They we know we can achieve higher, and in, in the high school should be should be what we're we're striving for, with with the group we have and, and the talent and and the opportunities that we can we can create. So you're not googling your name and four four two dot com or gold dot com every night before you go to bed. Uh no, I leave my mom to that. She, she can't get enough. I, I gotta tell her like, mom. She pulls up a she pulls up a picture and she's like, oh my god, like you, how did you do this? Or, or look at this photo. I'm like, mom, I live the moment. I don't need to look at the photo. <laughs> oh, that that is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> she can't get enough, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> right on, Nick. Well, I'll let you go, man. I know uh, you got to rest up and uh, get ready for the game tomorrow out in Tucson. But thank you so much for the time, man. Always a pleasure talking to you, and I look forward to seeing you uh, back in the Bay Area in just uh, a couple weeks, all right? Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Always good talking to you. Always a pleasure. Nick Lima, everyone, homegrown stud for the San Jose Earthquakes. And with that, we are out of time here on the Soccer Hour. Another fantastic episode a big thank you to andrew tarbell a big thank you to nick lima and when we come back again next week we'll have some action out of tucson to talk about as we get closer and closer to the start of the regular season march 3rd it's coming fast but honestly it can't get here fast enough a big thank you to the bay area soccer community as always a big thank you to the san jose earthquakes for making this show a reality i'm ted ramey signing off for the quakes